All right, we'll go ahead and, and get started. I want to welcome everyone. Um, those of you old-timers walked in today and you had your Yogi Berra moment. Yogi Berra said it's deja vu all over again. Remember that? He had a lot of one-liners, but deja vu all over again is one of them. Yes, it's me up here again, and uh, uh, we'll put you through that one more week. The good news for you is that it's several weeks before you see me again. Um, for those of you who may be new to us today, we're uh, continuing a series. We've kind of been hitting it part of the year and then off of it and then back on uh, based upon the book, The Doctrine of God. It's a small little pamphlet, and uh, we're now in chapter 20. Um, and today, particularly, we're going to talk about uh, God's goodness. Kind of look where we've been. And the blue highlights where we are today. You see that we begin, uh, be, begin a more in-depth look at, at uh, goodness. And then next week, continuing in uh, the attributes of God that he put in category of goodness and uh, with righteousness and wrath. And so we'll just be moving on there. Um, you may recall last week we attempted to take a, a broad overview of, of uh, God's attributes. Um, there's a, there are a lot of them, and not even all of them are on here. And those of you that were here remember we kind of developed this list and looked at it in a two-dimensional grid, really. The lordship attributes of control, authority, and presence uh, as compared to categories of goodness, knowledge, and power. Um, Today we're going to begin our exploration of just the ones, the attributes of God that are in, in goodness. And we're not going to cover all of these today. We're not even going to cover every one of them in all the study, but we're going to try to hit several of them today, and then it'll continue on next week and, and times in the future. So um, I, I want to say that uh, this chapter is, is 40-something pages long. It's a long, long chapter. Reminds me of uh, what, what we're going to try to do today. Reminds me of how many of you water skied? Surely there's more than that. Well, 60 years ago. 60 years ago. <laughs> but you've got an excellent memory. You remember if you're water skiing, you like nice smooth lake, and you do whatever you want. But you can, you see a big old boat. You're back there going, you're, you might be going 30 miles an hour, and you're just trying, for me, it's just trying to hang on and stand up. And then you see a big boat go in front of your boat. And what's that mean? There's going to be some... Biggins coming. And what do you do? You, you just hit the first one and you try to stay up and you're going to hit the top of the second wave and maybe the third and maybe the fourth. Now usually I made one, two, bonk. <laughs> but what we're going to do today is just kind of hit the top of these things. There's no way I even pretend to dig into uh, what frame digs into in this, but, but hopefully we're going to hit the highlights. What I encourage you to do today we're going to be thinking on the goodness of God. And think deeply, think deeply about God's goodness, and not only that, His goodness to you and to me. And we're going to look at different ways He's good uh, to us. So uh, before we really dig in here, let's pray. Father, we... Come before you, thanking you again for the depth of uh, your word, how you reveal yourself uh, to us. Lord, we know we but get a glimpse 
of all of your attributes and all of you, but you do make yourself known to us. And I pray that today you'll help us to grow in our understanding and particularly our love for you. Uh, thank you again for the time and we ask uh, your blessing on it. In Christ's name, amen. Just to give you a little overview of where, where we're headed, uh, we're going to take a, a deeper look at, at what benevolence, the benevolence of God the love of God, His love and His Lordship, grace, common grace, and even you might call that in some areas of common grace, His patience, His covenant love, and uh, finally His compassion. I want to remind you, we talked about this last week, um, God in every one of his attributes is supremely excellent, infinitely perfect if you want to say it that way, supremely excellent in every one of these. So every one of these little aspects we're going to look at, he's perfect in and excellent in. Um, so first let's look at, at goodness as benevolence. Uh, of course, goodness has a, has a real broad range of meanings, and, and Frame points out that it often refers to, to good character um, or, or maybe even good behavior as, as probably compared to God. Um, that usage, just being good, is more synonymous with righteousness, and so we're not going to talk about that today. That's next week. So we're going to skip over that one, but we, we're going to go over to... Uh, talk about what Frame says is the most common uh, use of in Scripture is the idea of benevolence. A good person is one who acts uh, to the benefit of others. So, benevolence. Um, God, of course, is the chief example of that, but he gives us some examples in Scripture of his benevolence. Genesis 50, 20, As for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Remember, that was the response of Joseph. The, the brothers meant it for evil, but God intended it for good. Deuteronomy 35, And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it, and He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. God, out of His goodness, out of His benevolence, is giving His people uh, the land. He's the source of all blessing uh, to His people, and He re He hold He withholds no good uh, from the righteous. Psalm one hundred five: For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Now who are the objects of God's benevolence? Hmm. Okay, we'll start with His covenant people. Uh, God is good to His covenant people. We've just looked at some examples of that in the Old Testament. God's uh, benevolence to His people is, is also redemptive. Uh, it, it is the blessing of heaven itself for the sake of Christ. A couple of New Testament verses related to that. 
Philippians 1.6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. God doesn't only do good to those that obey him, does he? Uh, Often he blesses us considerably before our obedience. Um, God's grace, grace initiated the covenant. And how do we respond? We respond to his initiation, his benevolence to us. We respond in obedience and love. We're going to talk about that quite a bit more. Uh, but note that for, for his covenant people, the deliverance is, is lasting and eternal. Uh, to quote Frame, believers experience suffering in this life and glory in the next. However, none will be able to say that they have not had a rich experience of God's goodness. He's saying no matter how bad it is, sometimes in this life, when we look back, isn't that true of us? I think it's really rough. And we look back and say, oh, God was so good to me through that. The objects of God's benevolence, not only to his people, but to all people. Um, so it extends universally, and we know that God is, is indeed good to all. Psalm 145, 9, and then skipping to 13 through 16. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Matthew 5, 45, just the last part, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Frame says the whole earth is God's temple. He relates to the entire creation as the Lord. Now what does this mean about salvation? Does he extend salvation to all? He does not. But he's still good to all. All right, so that's benevolence. Moving down our list here, on to God's love. Of course, the the idea of goodness and love overlap, um, and and they overlap considerably in Scripture. Um, God's love is is actually, I think everyone would agree, God's love is, is the heart of the biblical story. The whole Bible's telling us about His love for mankind and bringing his people to himself. So it's, it's really all about love. Um, when, you, when you think about separating what, what, what is love and what is goodness, um, goodness applies to 
creation generally, including mankind, but love is distinctly relational. So when we, we talk about God's love, it's, his, it's not His love for the earth, it's His love for man. Okay? See, that's distinguishing between goodness and love. Uh, Frame points to a definition that he uh, attributes to Cottrell. Cottrell? Cottrell, that's what I'll just say it that way and then we'll just make it right for today. Um, Definition of God's love. His self-giving affection for his image-bearing creatures and his unselfish concern for their well-being that leads him to act on their behalf and for their happiness and welfare. So the love of God brings out both His affection for the people and action for us. So uh, the objects of God's love. Uh, Who receives God's love? The first one surprised me a little bit, but we know this. Uh, God's self-love. The inter-Trinitarian love of God. Um, it's, it's necessary for His very nature. The Father loves the Son, the Spirit, all together loving one another. A few verses related to that. 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Matthew three seventeen, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. In John 10, 17, for this reason, the Father loves me. He's speaking of Jesus. That's Jesus speaking, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. So, God's love is first of all within the Godhead. Secondly, God's love is, is universal. God's Love for uh, humanity is, is universal. His goodness is given to all. His love seeks the welfare of everyone, seeks the welfare of all. A little bit long, but Matthew five forty four through 48. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So God, obviously, He does display His love uh, to all mankind. Now, finally, we touched on this a little bit. Did I get behind? Oh, there we go. God's saving love. God's saving love is the next uh, area, particularly to uh, ones in this room, the believers. As we've seen, his, his love goes to everyone, but, but the form of divine love, most central in, in all the scriptures, the message of the love of God in saving sinners like us. Uh, God's love sovereignly instituted the covenant relationship. 
And that preceded any love that we had. You think on God's goodness and God's love before we even existed actually, but before we had any notion of loving Him, He chose uh, to love us. When we think of love, the New Testament often points back to where? One event, the cross. The cross of Christ, when we think of the love, is where, uh, where we think of, of love. 1 John 3, oop, did I go back too far? 1 John three sixteen. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We need to remember, and I know everyone in here understands, we just keep this focus on God's goodness and His love for us. For all of us, the conditions of salvation are met totally by Christ and Christ alone. Because He loves us. The atonement is the most profound uh, representation of God's nature. He gave the sacrifice of his own son for us, not because we loved him, but because he loved us. I want to pause right there and let you talk. Any, anything come out of, we've looked at really benevolence, and the love of God. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, those are always questions and those, you know, try to answer those in our mind and, and we do have some answers to that, but you can't completely answer it. I, I, I agree. And I think in one aspect, I'll say two things and that's is, that's why we look at this. You know, we look at who God is from what Scripture tells us He is, from who Scripture tells us He is and what He's like. We see some evidence, like Art's brought up, these disasters that occur, and it doesn't seem that, that it's right. But we know the Word of God tells us that it is, that God is in control, and it is right. Well, let me ask you this. When Eve sinned, what rights did God have? What could he have done? Okay, Dick said total annihilation. I mean, if you think in the broad context, sinners deserve punishment. And he could have wiped the race out pretty easily right there. He wouldn't even have to take Adam. But uh, I guess he did. Uh, Didn't need to. But it was Eve's fault. No, go ahead. Scratch that from the tape. (laughs) Okay, another option, instead of just total annihilation, be eternal punishment. So God, he, he had every right to do that, to do whatever he wanted with his creature that he made. He had every right to do that. God chose not to do that. And from the very beginning in Genesis 3, I think, we start seeing a promise. We see a promise of a Savior. 
We can't explain all the things that go on in the world, but we do know we've got a God who is a saving God, and He calls us to Him. Love passes on from generation to generation. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. His love passes from person to person within the body, or, or love from Christians to others. It passes in many ways. That's right. But generation to generation certainly one. Like, you get to other attributes of God, His wrath and His judgment are there too. And so right now we're focusing on, on the love. You think of these disasters that come up, and one of my places I like to go is, is, is the story of Joseph. You know, Joseph had the dreams. He kind of knew what was going to happen. But this stuff of getting sold into slavery and getting in prison and all that stuff, he had to be thinking... What is God thinking? He's being mean to me. He's not following through. I mean, it had crossed his mind. Uh, who is God? And he, he came back, obviously, to who God is. And so that's a simple example. But we live our lives just like he does or did. And we have to keep our faith in who God is overall. Which brings me to God's love and his lordship. You didn't think we were going to get by a lesson in this series without talking about uh, the Lordship. Uh, we, we've just talked about God loving us before the foundation of the world, certainly before we loved Him. It, it's important for us to understand God's saving work and bringing us uh, to believe as we've looked. Now, I put this slide in for two reasons. One is because we have to do it every week. The other is it, it fits here because God is in control. He is the authority and he established his covenant presence with us. And that brings us to his love given to us because he is Lord. And what does he do? We've talked about him loving us. He takes some action on that love. An example is that's in the Old Testament. I will give them one heart and a new spirit. I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. He loves us before we love Him, and He changes our heart. Changes it from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And it's, it's that change in us that causes our desires to change. Because He's given us a heart of flesh, we begin to understand. It actually turns us 180 degrees. It turns us from dead stone to live flesh. Ephesians 4, uh, 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus.
He not only draws us to Him, but what else does He do? He draws us to Him, and then He sovereignly says, I'm going to keep you too. So the Lord acts in so many ways. Okay, a little more, another aspect of goodness is God's, God's grace. Um, grace refers to God's benevolence uh, to do His goodness and love, but it has a little bit different perspective, a little bit uh, different nuance. Um, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word hen, uh, uh, H-E-N, is translated grace or favor or mercy. In, in the Greek New Testament, me talking about these languages is crazy, but I'm just telling you what, what Frame said. Greek is charis. Blake can help me out here. C-H-A-R-I-S. Translated either good, favor, mercy, or grace. Um, since, we're, since we're fallen, any favor shown to us actually should be surprising. Um, uh, some examples of God's, what we call, unmerited favor. Our dear friend Noah. Did God show mercy to Noah, Noah because Noah was righteous or because God decided to? The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now we know some of the rest of the story. I know, is he perfect? Not at all. He probably showed, displayed righteousness more than the people around him, but God could have wiped him out too. His, his transgressions deserved the death as well, but God decided, God chose to take care of him. Now another guy, He'd have more trouble figuring out how he made it through as Jacob. Jacob's a schemer. He seems to mess up all the time. And when he comes back and meets his brother, please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Thus he urged him and, and he took it. Jacob, if you know... Remember the story of Jacob didn't deserve God's blessing. God, part of preserving his people or making his people, was gracious to Jacob. Quoting Frame, God's grace to men then appears in spite of man's unrighteousness. And by God's utterly sovereign decision, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. It is legitimate, therefore, to define God's grace theologically as His, quote, sovereign, unmerited favor given to those who deserve His wrath. Pretty good definition of grace. 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. You know, the, the one thing we know, we know a lot of things, but the one thing we do know is grace given to me, I know for me and you know for you, is not merited. And I don't have to go back very far in my history to figure that out. It's not merited. God chose to love me and through His grace save me. Anything else? Okay, Rob? Mm-hmm, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's important to, that's where it starts. You know, the, God is love, and that shows us the love of the, uh, the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father that shows us uh, that He is love. And it, yeah, it makes, a, it makes a big difference. Anything else? Aletha. Yeah, you look at the covenant triangle or whatever you, th- you think of His control, His authority. It's a triangle. He has his presence with his people. He didn't have to do that. He's in control and he has authority, but he also decided to have presence with his people, relationship that he has. The Lord has that with us. Okay, we'll move along here and talk about uh, common grace uh, and a bit relates to God's patience, which is another one of the attribute categories or not categories, but attributes under the goodness category. A frame says, Scripture never uses grace, that is, hen or charis, to refer to his blessings on creation generally or on non-elect humanity. So he's really arguing there with the term common grace. But that's what we're going to hear it called as you discuss theology or whatever in your in lessons. You're going to hear it called common grace. He said it's probably better to speak of God's common goodness or God's common love because, again, the point is it doesn't ever show grace except uh, in, to, to the people that are saved. Um, now, Murray, Murray defines common grace as every favor of whatever kind or degree falling short of salvation, which is undeserving and sin-cursed world enjoys at the hand of God. So we're going to look at a few ways that God shows His common goodness to all mankind. First of all, He restrains sin. What are some examples of God restraining sin in the Scripture? What did he do? They were, sin was going crazy. What did he do? Dispersed them and confused their languages. So he's restraining, isn't he? Restraining how they could advance in their sin. What's, any others come to mind? Job. The what? Job. Job? You're right. Yep, yep. Okay, good. Others? Exodus, Pharaoh. Yes, Exodus. Brenda? 
There's a lot of times people should have been totally wiped out. That's a good one. Enoch. Enoch. Okay. Enoch. Okay. Yeah, there, there are really uh, quite a few. Even Jesus was protected until his hour had come. So there, there were times when they wanted to kill him and he seemed to be cornered. He doesn't rob. Some of these points you make are a little bit interrelated. Um, he restrains his wrath. I think that we could have said that in, in some of these. He, he restrains sin in some ways. He keeps sin from expanding. In other ways, he restrains his wrath. So some of the examples we brought up really probably fit more with he, he just restrained his wrath. Um, there's many, many times in Scripture that, that God does not deal out the punishment that the, the people uh, deserve. Another angle of this, of God's common goodness or His common grace, uh, He gives temporal blessings to all. Uh, Psalm 149, 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. We see that uh, even unregenerate people um, do good. Um, we we all are depraved, and in ourselves we can't we can't please God. But we see people that are in that condition still uh, do good, and so it's it's to a lesser extent, not to uh, the extent of salvation. But uh, the unregenerate people do have the ability to do good things. And I think Blake just brought up uh, pointing to uh, Romans one: unregenerate regenerate people do know the truth. Uh, it's been displayed to them. So God's common goodness, I think it is a better way to say it uh, than common grace because that, that grace deal gets involved in salvation. God's common goodness to mankind is displayed uh, over and over again. A look at God's covenant love. I think those of you who've been around here for very long, you don't, don't need much of a lesson on this because our dear... Pastor Bobby has given us good lessons on uh, this idea. It's the idea of his Hesed love. And as Bobby's told us, that, that word's hard to translate, um, but the, the renderings that we get in English is his mercy, his loving kindness, his steadfast love, And there's the slide. Um, his steadfast love, his kindness, and his goodness. This, this idea of the Hesed love of God is, is one of the most important divine attributes. Um, it, it, it brings in the concept of the covenant uh, that he has for, with his people. It it refers to his covenant loyalty uh, to his people. And again, I think Bobby's just done a great job of bringing that up. I think we've studied it, looked at it before. And boy, when, when you see in the Old Testament the, the words, the steadfast love of God. as the covenant God has made with his covenant people to love us forever. And that's, that's the Hesed 
a love of God. Brahm says, Hesed is God's faithfulness to his covenant promise, his truthfulness to his word, the fact that he will bless his people as he says he will. So to plead God's mercies, his Hesed, is to plead the promises of the covenant. Hesed love, steadfast love, his mercy and kindness. Finally, we're going to look at God's compassion. Um, there are many words in Scripture that uh, bring out the idea of His compassion. Some of, some of those words are translated not just compassion, but in addition to that, His pity. Uh, sometimes it's translated love, or He's being merciful, being merciful to people. So His compassion. In short... Um, it's a, it's a sympathetic view towards another person's distress. So God, God sees our need. He sees our need, and then what does He do? He acts. He shows mercy to us and shows pity to us and then acts. That makes sense what compassion is. Um, and you got to remember that God often shows that pity or that mercy, that compassion, even to those that have rebelled. We brought up examples of that uh, today. Psalm 78, 37 and 38. Their heart was not steadfast towards Him. They were not faithful to His covenant. Yet He, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained His anger often, and did not stir up all his wrath. Okay, so we've taken a flying view of these things. Benevolence, his love, his love and his lordship, his grace, his common grace or common goodness, his covenant love and compassion. So I'll leave it there for a second. We have some things to wrap up with, but now you've seen another picture. Remember, you go back to that original slide, there's like, I don't know, a dozen of them on there. So we're just starting our way through here, but this is quite a bite to see when we, when we look at, at God and His goodness, His faithful goodness to us. So I'll let you go all the way back to the beginning. Any comments from any of these or other, other things that strike you from this? Mike, sometimes called the simplicity of God. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back. I'm going to put all, the, all of them. I should have put this slide in there again. But see how fast we can go back. You didn't know I had that many slides, did you? If I tried to make them fancy like Blake does, I'd never get there. There we go. All of them divided out in, the, in those categories. You think of that, you look at some of those. We're going to get to a lot of these as we go through this study. But God in his, I, mean, I have to just call it awesomeness. He is just 
an awesome God that we can't quite get our brains around, but we can get brains around pieces of it. And it just says, I don't know about you, but as I've gone through this study reading this book, it just opens up more of who God is and how good he, in this case, how good he really is to us. Other comments? I know this, Art? we're probably going to go over this in salvation. Yeah. Propitiation, advocate, all the things that he does for us, but he's, he's just, and that's the way he remains just. That's, yeah. I think we will talk about that. Thomas? I was just going to say, he's not alone. Yep. Right. Rob? Um, God is the one who defines his goodness. Right. Yeah, it's, it's self-defining, which can be an argument in the argument. But you're right. He is, he, he is the one who defines what, who is, what is good, and uh, all is defined by him. Good point. There's a section in Frame's book that talks about that a bit. I didn't understand it, so I didn't. I just skipped it. Uh, that's the prerogative of the teacher. Do that if you want. I had a teacher in eighth grade, and I don't want to disparage coaches, but I don't know if you've ever had a coach for a teacher. Uh, some of them are great teachers. My brother-in-law was a coach, and he's a great teacher. There's some other examples out there that might not be so good, and this guy's one of them. He was our history teacher. He didn't know beans about history. And we had, we had a big old book, and all we did is he'd just have, probably, it was probably pre-prepared for him. We, we'd just sit in class and read the book to ourselves and fill out these questionnaires. And if somebody raised their hand and said, ask some question, his answer was, it only lasted a couple of weeks because we quit asking questions because we, we'd ask a question, say, what about this or that? And he'd say, you've got a book, look it up. <laughs> so in, in relation to that, Plato's problem was discussed in, in here. And in relation to that, you've got a book in the library, look it up. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay. You thought you were just going to get out early so everybody's quiet. Not so. Now, you probably still will get out early. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 34. This psalm doesn't specifically mention all of these by any means. But I think as we read through it, as we've concentrated on the category of God's goodness, I think as we read through Psalm 34, you're going to see we're going to see places where God's goodness just jumps off the page um, as, as David writes here. So everybody got it? Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man 
who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the, the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for the clarity of your word, how you uh, show us yourself in your word. Lord, today we've particularly looked at one uh, little aspect, uh, just a piece of, of your goodness, how you are um, in, indeed benevolent to us. You, you show your grace. You show your loving, saving grace to us. Lord, you're good to all. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us uh, this revelation of yourself and that we can um, rest our lives in you, in, in the peace of knowing that you love us and you care for us. Lord, I pray that you'll go with us now as we uh, uh, worship you in song and in prayer and in your word. Lord, we ask that you bless that time, and may we indeed uh, worship you in spirit and in truth. Um, we thank you for Christ. Thank you for what he's, he has done, he did for us, and what he continues to do. In your spirit who works in us. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. <laughs>